Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmitty, Swanee and Clarky visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right, how are we? Very well, and you? I'm good, thanks. Yep. Clarky? Well, today I'm a little bit concerned because over the Christmas break we did pudge it up a little bit and so today we decided we'd go back to the gym. And so we just did this session called Cardio and Core and I swear I pulled about 18 stomach muscles in the in the class. And so <laughs> I'm worried now that if this is a funny session. Oh, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. So uh, you'll be good. If you can <laughs> deliver an unfunny one, that would be great. But yeah, let's just see how it goes. After our last session where we started cruise month. Mm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like we are taking a slight detour here. So it might not have as many japes, as Schmidt would say, as the last session we did, which was hysterical. I really enjoyed doing that and listening to the cruise crimes. So anyway, we'll see how we go. Bring it. I'm Schmitty. I'm Swanee. And I'm Clarky. And together we are... Trial by Why? And what are we drinking? Go on, Swanee. You know you want it. Oh, how shall I disappoint thee today? Mineral water with a dash of lime. Yeah, a bit. What about you guys? What are you on? Uh, we're having a Dalzotto Pinot Bianco, which is a little white wine, as you'd expect from that name. Um, it's quite delicious. And it's chock full of ice because it's 35 degrees here today. So oh, perfect. Everything warms up in second. What about you, Schmitty? Oh, oh, look, I'm... Uh, Mango chutney? No, I don't have it. Pirate juice? Pirate juice, yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. got on the second guess. Yep. Yeah, I'm having a Pepsi Max and Bacardi. You? <laughs> I can't believe you're doing the Bacardis. I keep, I keep forgetting about the Bacardi until I come back here and you mention it. And I think... I've either got a buy bottle or get one when I'm out. It's literally oh, just because it's in the house and I didn't have anything else um, prepared. So I just thought I'd It's as good it. a reason as any. <laughs> and I like it. I like rum and coke. I don't care. Tony is um, doing the wine thing. What are you drinking, Dal? Um, I'm having a glass of... I'm still having a glass of... <laughs> it's called... Um, what's it? What is it called? Martin. What do you call it, love? Martin. Some what nice... What have you done to it? It's a, I think it's, it's called Champagne. Yeah, it's a, Chem- it's a Limoux region sparkling wine. Um, oh, that was close. Oh, you were sparkling very nice. close. Good guess. Yeah. Delish. There you go. What do you got for us today, Swanee? Well, this will come as no surprise to you, Shmi, because you're the one who led me down this path. Oh, oh. Even I may have, um, may have heard of this yeah. story or maybe of interest. I think you can tick both boxes. When you um, brought it to my attention... Of course I knew this crime. Did you? Yeah. Hmm. I'd already left the UK when this all transpired, and I think I was already in Australia by that point, but I certainly remember it. And it's one of those ones where a lot of this crime, when we get to the, you know, I don't want to use the word guts, but, you know, when you get to it, there's a crime. Oh, but then there's a way... are there guts in the story? No, nothing like oh, that, not at all. I just okay. meant that as in, like, you know. The way some things are presented are so sensationalised 
and they'll pick up on a little piece of something that is part of the crime as a hook to get us yeah. in. Yes. And then actually when you get into it, you think, it's oh, really got what? nothing to do with it's it. It's nearly yeah. an irrelevance or they've actually totally fabricated or built something into something that was not a really a major part of something that happened. This and- isn't about Harry and Meghan, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. It, I'll, I'll sort of, maybe I'll sort of draw it as we go through it. Crimes against story, news but- of interest. Mm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Also and, oh head, headings that are completely irrelevant to the yeah, story. Yeah, clickbait, whatever yeah. else. It's like, because the, when Schmitty sort of mentioned it to me, I thought, oh, God, I remember that. And I remember when I was first reading the articles about it, I found it quite confusing because what they were trying to show or to get your attention, to get you to click on the story was one part of a story that was probably not the major part but that was what they knew would attract an audience right Mm. so when I went back through I thought yes I know but I can't quite remember and whatever else so this has been a good exercise for me and actually finding out what actually happened versus what the headlines were at the time are you talking about investigative journalism you're saying you did some research (laughs) I I feel no well when I tell you my sources I think that'll be that that will be absolutely not the case (laughs) 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 but what I did was I tried to look sort of beyond the headlines and that's it's sort of that was one of the issues that came out for me when I looked at this story which is you know we we totally are manipulated by what we're told and how we're you know drawn into different stories and whatever else and I can imagine you know at the news desk and saying oh my god work on this work on this point here find out more information around that but actually the crime's over here and that's what's truly interesting, but that's how they're going to get the hook. Mm. Yeah, here's, so here's your headline. Yeah. Go and make up a story that somehow fits Correct, it. correct. Yeah. My sources have been The Cinemaholic, nice. The Sun, The New York Post, The Daily Mail, and perhaps most importantly, there was a blog that I'd found and it was called Talk Murder With Me and it was really interesting and it set this story out in a, a very sort of, digestible way so I will use that as well but that was um probably the most engaging way for me to look at the story because as I sort of alluded to before so much of this was like a sensational headline and then again repeat of the story that we've we've seen mm. across this sort of syndicated media things where you go oh god I've read it before I've seen it yeah. before I've seen it before I'm guessing this is a story about a murder then. It is actually. Yeah, otherwise talk murder with me would just not be the right blog to be going to. Do you know what? I hadn't really given that any thought when I just said that. <laughs> there, you there you go. There you go. You've got me there. Talk murder with me. I could <laughs> didn't even think of that. How embarrassing. This story starts in France and it starts with a young girl who was born in Algeria. So she's... Algerian. And then she moved, moves, well, she's French she's Algerian. French, so but you're right. French Algerian, yeah. So she and her mother live in Paris and she grows up in Paris. But she is what you would call French Algerian and she was a, a bit of a beauty. And this woman's name, or girl at the time, her name is Sabrina Kouidier, which is very difficult to say, of course. So I might just be calling her Sabrina. Yeah. She and her mother, I think, well, I can't think that her mum's a single mum. And she grows up in, you know, in a not particularly illustrious way, but, you know, I I guess in the the suburbs of Paris. And when she gets to be around, I think, 18, 19 years old, she meets a man. um, And again, I'm going to have to sort of butcher his name as well. And his name is Usem Mudini, but they called him Sam, thankfully. Excellent. So Sam (laughs) and Sabrina. 
Sam and Sabrina might make it a little bit more respectful for me to say their names in a way that um, doesn't butcher it every time I, I try and say it. But again, I suspect by his name, although I haven't had it confirmed, but he may also be French Algerian. If not, he's certainly of a sort of Middle Eastern Arabic background. And they meet um, at a fun fair, I think, where she worked when she was about 19. He's five years older than her, so he's about 24 at the time. And by all accounts in the photographs of her, she's a beautiful looking woman. What we would call here in Australia exotic. Right. (laughs) Exotic. She's not from Shropshire then. Do you remember that ad? No. No. There's a... What's that? Oh, God. Coffee ad. Yeah, it was a coffee ad and there's an African-American guy, although English. Yes. African-English guy, I don't know, walking, um, looking at the coffee and this lady walks up and he's a bit hot and she's, you know, in her 50s maybe and she kind of looks at him and goes, oh, that looks nice or something and then pretends she's looking at the coffee. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And she says, oh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for something more exotic, like exotic. like where you're from. This. And he, in a yeah. broad English accent, goes, what, Shropshire? <laughs> <laughs> I can't quite place it, but, yeah, it's really a bell. So they become a couple. And by all accounts, he was totally enamoured with her and she sort of had him around her little finger even at that early stage whereby there were occasions where she was with other men but he was quite besotted and it basically started a 17-year sort of what you would call on and off relationship. So basically depending on where Sabrina was at, they were either together or they kind of weren't. But they were, I think they were always sort of in each other's lives to a degree but it was certainly more a case of she was the one who was wearing the pants and he was a little bit softer and certainly so enamoured with her that he kind of you know, followed her, did what she said um, and tried to to make her happy, be with her, etc. because, as I said, she, she was really beautiful, um, if not a little fiery. So their time in Paris is somewhat short-lived because they are looking abroad. And in, let me have a look, about 2005, Sabrina decides that she's going to go and live in the UK and she's going to become an au pair. Now, I'm sure everyone who's listening (laughs) knows what no pair is, but basically it's someone who comes and lives in your home if you have children and the idea is... It's a bit weird if they came and lived in your home and you don't have children. Who's that? That's the au pair. That's the au pair. Who are looking after? Me. me. (laughs) Don't don't doubt that there would be scenarios where that's happening. Trust me, there'd be many, many, many. Not in Australia, I wouldn't say. Sounds more like a live-in lover. So Sabrina goes uh, to the UK in 2005 and guess who follows her? Sam. So, Sam. Yeah, Sam follows her. And what's quite interesting at this point, and this is one of the things that comes to bear, which is how they're portrayed by the media. At this stage when they get to the UK, there's no real information about her being an au pair other than the fact that that's what she went to do. But what then starts to become the story is that they have a degree of success. He works in finance and all of a sudden she's now a fashion designer, um, a stylist, a hair design, a hairdresser. Like she does all these sort of things within fashion and they said that they're successful. But, I mean, there's no real measurement there. That's just simply what the media says. And I suspect what was happening is that they had a, a degree of success, but I don't think it's quite the way it's portrayed where you sort of go, oh, you know, it's not like they were living the high, high, high life. But I suspect they were probably pretty comfortable and I'm sure that they looked the part. And I think that is what is important through a lot of this is the way Sabrina looks suggests that she is perhaps more successful or powerful or important or whatever it is 
but I think her looks play a big role in how she's perceived by the outside world. Whilst she was there, so we were, you know, we're going a couple of years ahead now, so let's say she arrived 2005 and about 2011, Sabrina meets a gentleman by the name of Mark Watson. Now, it doesn't sound particularly auspicious, does it? Mark Watson. But Mark Watson turns out to be a very important person in Sabrina's life. What's very important to note at the outset was she met him in 2011 at a NatWest bank in Notting Hill in West London, and they started to have a relationship. What's important is that he was actually a former member of Boyzone. <gasps> so you may or may not remember Boyzone. Yeah, yes. yeah. An, an Irish, Boy band. hugely popular. Yeah, Would that yeah. have been, say, late 90s or that early That was Ronan Keating, wasn't it? Yes, I think it was. Mm. So when I say it's important, it's important to note that Mark was a former member yes. of Boyzone. Yeah. Before now, they were hugely successful? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So there's a, a photo that I can find where there's a whole lineup of them and certainly more than what ended up being sort of the it's lineup. It's like that fifth Beatle. Correct. Yeah. That's exactly the same kind of thing where he, I think, remember Louis Walsh? Yeah. From like X Factor. He put them together though. That's what made him famous, isn't it? That he put them together. I think that's right. Yes. But he also, he was, the way it's been described as Mark. Did you call him Little Louis Walsh, by the way? I think he is Little Louis Walsh. He is Little Louis Walsh. I don't know what I to say that. Oh, Little Louis Walsh. Little Irish Louis Walsh, like a little little leprechaun. He is a bit leprechaun y, yeah. So when she meets Mark, I wouldn't know that she would have thought that he was anything. Too important, but I guess in, at back in that time, he was part anyone, of a boy band. Something. Yeah, yes. Even if he wasn't really in the it all she'd say, you know, he was in boys, and that would be enough to sort of, I guess, get most people interested. And this is when two thousand and five, two thousand and six, two thousand and eleven. Wow, that. Late. So remember, she moved. Right. Yeah. So that. So by this point, so left, I imagine, yeah. you know, two thousand and five, she's arrived in London. So by this point, I think they're pretty established. Yeah. And when she actually meets Mark. It said that she'd actually turned her hand to pyramid selling for a telecommunications company. That old chestnut. Yep. It is a little bit like that and that's where I get slightly miffed when I read all of these articles. Oh, they did this and she was that. I think what she was was somebody who was always trying to find the angle, right? Yeah. Where's I, where, I need money. I need money quickly. I, I'm beautiful. I can use this. I can use that. I need him. I don't need him now. You know, where they just use the people they need to get what they need at the time that they need it. Mm. And I think Sam would come in and out of focus for her based on her success with other men, other people, her, her working life. He was life. a backup guy too, you know. Absolutely. Reliably always going to be there. Correct. Disorders. And, and I've just I've, I've read somewhere that they purposely, or she certainly did, kept their relationship as ambiguous. So if she, although she would often be seen with him, sometimes in public she'd say he was a relative, sometimes she'd say he was a friend. And whilst they were sort of, you know, having this sort of ambiguous relationship what they did have was they did have an Islamic marriage certificate to prove it. So at some point they were married, mm. right? But then they chose for one reason or another not to always say that they were. So, again, Is that like relationship know. fluid in the same context of gender fluid? I think it is because I don't think it's an open marriage, is it? That's different again. Yeah. It does feel like it got, as you say, it seems very fluid depending on where, you know, their head's at at any given time. Yeah. Never mind. Mm. What is interesting about her relationship with Mark is there's very little to go on. 
I know that they got together in 2011 and I know that they had what was at best described a turbulent relationship. But what becomes important and very quickly is, although they were together, I think probably throughout 2011 and I've I've heard that they sort of split in 2012, but he described them being from t- together from 2011 sort of to 2013. I think we're yet again in the the territory where it's not this sort of straight relationship. I think it's on, it's off. Everything's always turbulent. There's always drama around here. You know, it's all, everyone loves everybody, but it's it's fraught. So everything about her and and the way you're describing it, it makes me think about like one of those real wives type programs. You know, there's... Everything's fine, and then we're all having a massive fight, and someone's throwing yeah. wine in someone's face and storming out of a very ritzy place, and and then this is you're like I get that feeling. She's got that energy about her. Oh, totally. She's just she's hot. She's cold. But you know, it's that thing where you know when you're watching movies and and the man's always falling for the woman because she's so passionate, and you know, then all of a sudden she's you, you know she's passionate. a hot sex goddess, you know, and then all of a sudden she's a crazy bitch. Exactly. You know, that, that, I mean, they're it's like, a oh, real double edged sword, isn't it? You yeah. know, like you're passionate, but you're really a bit of a psycho. Yeah. You know, oh no, you're just passionate. You're just hot blooded. Oh, yeah, whatever. Correct. I, I oh, think you're hot blooded oh, if you're, me. you know, a hot Spaniard or something. You're psycho if you start killing someone. Yeah, I, so I, I was think there's a fairly say, clear well, differentiation. Yeah, well, I, I don't know about that because you can be psychopathic and not kill someone. Just yes, murder but, isn't but a hard line you, of but psychopathy. That doesn't make you passionate. <laughs> No, but blooded. people could think that you were hot-blooded and passionate and you end up being a murderer and it turns out you were a psychopath all along. Or you could just go around having dramas and people still think you're a psychopath but you haven't killed anyone. Oh, yeah. God, that one. She's always carrying on. Always yeah. a drama with her. Yes. We used to I work with him. someone like that. I don't know who you're referring to. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> so Sabrina at this point is probably about... Uh, early 30s I don't know exactly but basically when she's with Mark she's looking good things are flying high they've got this sort of turbulent relationship and one of my favorite quotes is though that she at one point when she would get angry with him he he'd said that she she he refused to buy her an item when they were like out shopping in Oxford Street in um, central London so she ran into the street and she shouted out, Mr. Boyzone has no money. And I could so imagine <laughs> this type of woman do that. So I'll show you. You think you're all that? I'm going to threaten you're going to go out and stand in the middle of the street, you know, and say you've got no money. You, you say you're Mr. Boyzone or whatever, but you've got no money. And I thought that tells me a lot, I think. I think, mm, well, she's biatch. a real piece of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, so that's how in, she treats her partner. Yes. So did they you see, together. Did you see, you didn't, oh, when you were telling that, I don't think you saw Wooey's um, expression here, this big <laughs> dropped jaw, like, what? He was horrified. Mr. Boyzone has, has no money. Has no money. And, and to be honest, I don't know that Mr. Boyzone does have a lot well, of money. Well, no, because not if little Louis Walsh was his manager. <laughs> no, that's exactly right because, we, you know, we'd see this time and time again whether or not they're involved. And I mean, they looked good. He's been before they've gone on to success. But... Mm-hmm. What I think we also probably all now know is making money in the music industry doesn't always come with being the performer. Correct. If you've been the p- person who's That's right. the writer of a... Or the producer, yeah, the, the label, the they make the yeah. money. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So from what I understand, he has made that shift and he work, he still works in the music industry. So he, I don't know how much money is what I'm saying, but it's irrelevant when it comes to headlines. The fact that he was in Boyzone for whether it was five minutes or five years before they said he will be Mr. Boyzone because that's how you get the 
you know, the audience. So I do think it was quite funny that when she ran into the street saying, Mr. Boyzone has no money, everybody's trading on that. She's the one who's trading on that with him. He's yeah. the one who's trading on it to meet women. It's the, the, the newspapers are trading on it. The story is nowhere near as sexy for any of them, him, mm. her, or the newspaper, if he wasn't Mr. Boyzone, right? Mm-hmm. I find that really Mr. Boyzone, I love it. That's, that's the, you know, the culture celebrity and the Well, there was one of him. Yeah, exactly. From mid-2012, the pair split and Walton moved to Los Angeles and he continued to support her financially. But what becomes very weird in the story here is... So he's got no money to buy her a ring, but he's got money to support her financially. Oh, no, it wasn't a ring. It was just, it doesn't say what it was. It was just an item. So it wasn't a ring, but but whether it was a handbag or some clothes or what it was, he's obviously said no. And she's going, well, I'll show you. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. I don't really know whether he had access to a hell of a lot of money, some money, whatever else, but he did look after her and he was giving her money Mm. and financially supporting her whilst she was in London. And then when they split and he goes to LA, he continued to send her money monthly. And that's important because Sabrina, and this is where it's really difficult to get a hold on this, and and even in the the blog that I read with Talk Murder With Me, and I suspect she did an awful lot more research than than what I did, Sabrina has two sons. She ends up with two sons. Where do they come from? And one of them is said to be Mark Watson's son, which would right. make sense in the okay. sense that yeah, he then yeah. continues I was wondering to about can, that. Can I, yeah. Just, yeah. can I just interject? Isn't his name Mark yeah. Walton? Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, goodness. Uh, oh, I've done it again, time and time again. You're even butchering the easy names. Well done. <laughs> We could do a podcast. The irony in that. I couldn't. Oh, my God. We could do a podcast There's the irony. There's the irony. Talk talk (laughs) murdering names with me. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so consistently bad at this. It's all right. Mark Walton. Apparently in 2006, he claimed to be a billionaire. Sorry, 2016, he was telling people he was a billionaire. So if she was having fights with him what was the time period you were saying that was earlier early, much earlier. that was yeah. about 2012 2013. yeah well he might not have made it by then but he reckons he was he started remember bewitched bewitched yeah, yeah. apparently yeah. he said oh then yeah yes. he was shading sh- i can't remember that. I he saw was them recently. dating shane lynch's sister adele whoever these people are yes and encouraged her to put the girl band together and we created bewitched which turned out really well and then he went off and i enjoyed this part He's now based in Los Angeles, 2016, and has become a judge on Vietnam's pop idol. And he became very, very famous over there. And we know that he would have been former Boyzone. Boyzone, that's how he exactly. I'm going to say Boyzone now. That was his credentials. So it was yeah. the Boyzone yeah. thing. But that was in 2016. He was saying he was a billionaire and his everything was going fabulous for him. Fabulously for him at that point in time. But as you say, when she was shouting out, Mr. Boyzone's got the money. And I don't know why yes. I did that accent, but it just feels appropriate. <laughs> um, oh, Mr. Boyzon has no money. Now I'm saying she's like French. She's French. Um, oh yes, Mr. Boyzon has no money. Mr. Boyzon has <laughs> no money. Mon ami. <laughs> anyway, enough of that silliness. So things are sort of take a bit of a I wouldn't quite say dark turn, but that things are not great, and he's sending her money, and at this point. She appears to move to Southfields. Does anyone know where Southfields is? No. no. I know it because it is the train stop when you go to Wimbledon. 
So you don't actually get the tube to Wimbledon, you get the train to, to Southfield. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so you will have seen it. So mm-hmm. the train or the, oh, the tube stops in Southfields, but it's in Wimbledon, Wimbledon Park, and she moves to a house there. And, again, this is where it, it annoys me because it starts to talk about them being well off or very comfortable or whatever else. I just I don't think that that was the case. Yes. I think it was still you know, trying to present one thing and, you know, well, yes, it sounds like a nice area, but like anyone who's spent any time in London knows in every street there's a, you know, a terrible part and a really amazing part and yeah. it's not always what it seems. It doesn't, it's not that they've got this incredible address in Wimbledon. I don't, yeah. Yeah, I don't right. buy that. Yeah. And if they're living on Wimbledon Park Road, there are houses there that are probably incredible and also probably some pretty shabby stuff around the shops. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So Just I can't get a... But do you know what I mean? I, I can't do know a real read on what they're like. It's that usual thing going, oh, my God, they live somewhere incredibly Three out. Three streets like, are yeah. incredible. Yeah. Five but streets did you? are shit. Yeah. 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 I think, again, it's a little bit of bit of struggle town in a nice area. So they've split in 2012. Mark, we'll just call him Mark, shall we? Mark's <laughs> gone to LA to, to work in the music industry, continued his support, support her financially. And there's a quote here in the Daily Mail that says, between September 2013 and February 2014, Walton sent her £12,800 for rent for her southwest London property, which is the one that was in Southfields, you know, yep. Wilden Park Road. In March 2014, Walton continued to stay in contact with her via email, apologising for late payment for her rent and once sending her an email which declared, I'll love you to the day I die. Mm. But again, that could be... A lyric could from you, a song. But it could be love it. You know, you can say, oh, I love you to the day I die. I, I love you. You know, you're a darling. It's all sort of, don't worry about it. Don't worry about me. I'll always love you. Here's the money. Or it could be, you know, a bit psycho. I'm going to love you to the day you die. No one knows really how that was supposed to be interpreted. That was not reciprocated. So what that sort of they go on to say is that at this point, any chance of reconciliation, whether that was what he was even after, I don't know. We don't really know what they broke up. That is sort of all withered away because what they're saying is that Sabrina then started to launch a barrage of allegations against Walton. Mm. And she starts this sort of campaign of things that she claims that he was doing or trying to do. All right. So she claimed he tried to kill her in July 2014 and she continued to make false allegations that Walton was harassing her. She alleged he was hacking into her phone, her email address, and that he had someone acting on his behalf that assaulted her and stole her iPad. (laughs) She also went as far as saying that he had mistreated her cat when the couple never owned a pet. (laughs) And he was actually questioned and taken in for this because she said that he had sexually assaulted her cat. Her cat? Yep. Yep. She did not. But she didn't have a cat. Are you sure she was just not a language issue? Yeah. Did she say pussy? Oh, thank you for clarifying that, Tony. I left left that nicely there, nicely subtly done and... Bang, the sledgehammer fell. Yeah, Yeah, but it gets a little bit dark and it gets a bit sort of... And this is where I think, you know, with someone like Sabrina, you know, there's an event sometimes and it starts sort of what I would call a bit of a spiral. (laughs) And you can just sort of see it start to pick a bit of momentum up. And then at this point, she starts making claims about the fact Walton used black magic to control her and there was nothing that she could do about it. Oh, okay. By all accounts, I get the impression that Mark's in LA busy, yeah. like really in a recording studio or doing whatever else, just getting on with stuff, sending him money where he needs to be. But something shifted in her mind and she's on one and she starts to make these sort of increasingly outrageous claims and really damaging ones. There's nothing there that's sort of like not trying to publicly vilify someone. Yeah, just you know I mean? slanderous. It's one thing. 
Correct. It's one thing to walk into the middle of the road, and I mean, I've probably done this with my husband, where it's like, oh, you can't afford to buy me that, Mr. Big Shot. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. oh, um, Mr. Boyzo. But that's very low level compared to when you start saying, I think, you know, that person's sexually assaulted sex with our cat. That we never have, cat. that you don't have. Yeah, or stealing something or having people come to take things off you or whatever. So or using black magic. Yeah. And it'll come as no big surprise to you that after she split from, now we're calling him a music mogul. I mean, again, yeah, I'm not right. sure he's a music well, mogul. This look, is where I start. It got very big thing. in 2016 with that Vietnamese pop idol. But this is before I that. know, I know. I'm just laughing so at I the fact that he's called a music yeah. mogul. Yeah. But it, it, he might well become that and that's, again, it's hard to tell because of when they try and use these big terms in the newspaper, it's just... It's nothing a lot of time, I don't think. Yeah. But anyway, she went back to Medini, Sam. So he would come and go from their South London flat. Oh, why does it say South London? It wasn't South. It was Southwest London. And what was described as a house is now all of a sudden a flat. flat. Yeah. There's a couple of images later on um, that come to bear. And I'm like, I don't think we were talking about anything particularly palatial. I think it was just a, you know, pretty standard you know, um, two up, two down type thing. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, probably on the you know the high street in or one of the main thoroughfares there. Right. But he does start to live with her again. Well, and that's nice. You mean her husband? Yeah. <laughs> she helped with his French pancake stall. Crepe, crepe, you know, crepe. This is not quite the Crepe-ry. person who you know five <laughs> minutes ago was a fashion designer. Yeah. yeah. This is where it's like you know it's like well who was she? What were they? They were just I mean honestly crafters. I just. Yes, doing bits and pieces, hustlers. You know, they're just getting by. They're, you know, they've got a, they're who they are for any point where they are. And they, I don't think that they're. Did you say that. chapstick or chavs? Chavs. chavs. <laughs> I was going to say pie keys. They're not, well, they're not <laughs> chavs. The chavs. No, I don't think they are because they're not wearing sports gear, are they? And mm. driving no. Ford. What were they? Escorts. Ford escorts. That was it, Ford escorts. Ford Carlton's. So they were. Um, and this is where it's in, well, there's lots of interesting points to it, but this is one of the things that's hard to get a handle when you read about these, you know, cases, stories. There are two children, but there's no mention of I have no names. I believe that one is Mark Walton's son and the other one is from a former relationship, but I don't know if it's Sam's son. I don't, I don't think it is. I think it's just from a former relationship. Hmm. And so these children at this point. Not from the abused cat, him, is it? <laughs> a little kitten. I mean, I, I don't kitten. think that's what's happened, but I just want to check. Yes, but I don't think things were going so well because it says that Sabrina had to um, start claiming benefits and she continued to accept significant financial support from Mark long after they split up. But again, I guess she would need to if she had a child with him. When the handouts dried up, however, she racked up $20,000, no, £20,000 in unpaid rent on the two-bedroom. So now it's gone from a house to a flat to an apartment to a two-bedroom garden flat in an upmarket area of southwest London. I, this is what drives me crazy. Everywhere it's described as something slightly different. But, yeah, it, it is what it is. It's I like whack-a-mole trying to get the facts, isn't it? Like Correct. So that's where we will, we will sort of put a bit of a pause on Sabrina, but that's where she was in her life. And now we need to meet someone else Ooh. yeah who can it be someone else is also an au pair and the young girl that we're going to meet is a young girl called sophie leone anyway she is from a town called troy in northeast yes i think northeast um france and she's going to arrive in the uk as an au pair herself mm-hmm. 
and she's about 20 years old. So she was, it was her first time she'd ever done anything to be perfectly honest. She's a very sort of small town girl. Uh, where she was from was, you know, really just a small town France. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it was anything, um, you know, she wasn't a, a girl who had any real experience in her life. I think she'd gone to school, she'd done a bit of a childcare course and it was time to go and learn some English. So off yeah. to the UK she was going to go. So she arrived in the UK and guess who's au pair she became? Mm. Mm, correct. So at first, Sophie's experience as an au pair for Sam and Sabrina was a positive one. The children, apparently there were two boys, adored her. <laughs> And she was in her element looking after them. And she was also able to befriend another of our other nannies working in the mm, area. Mm. And anyone who's, I mean, I, I don't quite see it so much here. Maybe it would be different if we lived in Sydney or Melbourne. But certainly when my experience no, was when we lived I've in London, there was seen an it. absolute, no. Never seen it like In London, London yeah. there's an absolute community of nannies. And depending on where they've yeah. come from, they have a, a pretty good support network. I reckon so New York got, is the other place you'd see it, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And there's also, there's a whole different situation, but if you've ever been in Hong Kong, mm. and whilst they're not au pairs, the AMA, I think they call them in Hong Kong, there's a day that you go out where they all have the day off, and I don't know if it's a Saturday or a Sunday, and the, I'd never seen anything like it. They all congregate together. So there's a real community sense that they come together and they share their stories and what they're doing. So early stage of Sophie's experience when she's moved to Wimbledon with this pair is, and it was actually quite positive. And people were seeing her. She'd call her mother, Catherine, and she seemed happy and pleased and she was really enjoying the beginning of the experience. She seemed to get along with Sabrina, had cups of tea with her over the, you know, table. And as a mother and someone who has had au pairs and nannies, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes you know, the idea is that they become an extension of your family. So if the idea would be for an au pair or a nanny that if someone's going to be in your home, someone's going to be around you and your partner and certainly the, the, the main sort of caregiver at times for your children, you'd want to have a pretty good relationship. That's kind of the goal. Yeah. And I've seen it go terribly wrong. I think even in our own experience, sometimes it's not something that's always smooth sailing. But, I mean, nothing, nothing like I'm, I'm guessing yeah. Sabrina, though, with her personality type, is very good at managing that if it does go wrong. Oh, yeah, I'm sure she'd be tickety-boo. <laughs> I think so. Whilst things were going, well, it, it, it didn't take long for things to sort of take a downhill turn. And that downhill turn relates to Mark Walton. And what becomes very apparent is that Sabrina has, like, these obsessive sort of thoughts and ideas about Mark Walton and his role in her life and what he is trying to do to her. But he's not around, is he? He's in LA. Yeah, he's in LA. Or Vietnam, yeah. minding his own business. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vietnam, yeah. Mark Walton, as, you know, we said was Mr. Foyzo, so her <laughs> ex-boyfriend, and we believe the father to her younger child. Well, the father to, to her one of child. them. Yeah. Certainly he makes sense of all the money he's given yeah. her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the ongoing connection. And that I love you forever kind of thing. You're the mother of my child, etc. yeah. Yes, yeah. So whilst he's in L- in L.A., she just starts to become quite delusional and she Oh, she starts to, to become delusional. <laughs> well, no, she was a bit of a... Let's say she's a manipulative, a pain in the ass. I thought was going to say a toe rag, a bit of a toe rag. (laughs) She seems to have this sort of idea that he wants to do harm to her. And I I don't know where it comes from, though, and that's what's quite interesting. It's like it escalates quite quickly. She's projecting her own thoughts about herself, I'm going to go with. Yeah, and it becomes like a rage. So 
obviously didn't have a great breakup. So, you know, it could be that. It could be to do with custody around the child, but there is nothing in all, you know, that you read anywhere that suggests that he's trying it was to get a real custody. problem. By all accounts, he just sounds like he's off working. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's here's some money. It's all good. I've got my life. I'm not. He's not saying I'm sending for the child or anything like that. There's. It doesn't seem to add up. I can only assume that she's actually just majorly pissed off because it comes down to money. Would be my, mm. you know, first go to. And she's a little bit bonkers. Totally. You know, this idea that she's, you know, telling him, you know, saying that he sexually abused the cat, using black magic on her. Uh, then she goes as far as saying that, you know, I, I mentioned that she, he, she'd said that he'd hired someone to steal her iPad, but then she was saying, like, if a helicopter went over her house, it was him flying over to spy on her. What's the going rate to hire someone to steal your iPad? <laughs> or fly I feel a helicopter like over it, your house. It would be cheaper just to go and buy an iPad. <laughs> like, what the fuck, lady? <laughs> No, that is so good. <laughs> so in all, she reported Walton about 30 times to the police, oh. all of which turned out to be bogus, and she was given a, a caution by the police for creating a fake Facebook oh. profile which she just used to harass him, mainly accusing him of being a pedophile. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> so you look what at this the, sort of What was check- the Facebook page name? Was it her name know. or was it? I don't know. Okay. How it becomes relevant is because guess who ends up being roped into that, you know, misinformation and paranoia and all that craziness and rage is the poor the OP. Poor OP, yeah. So right. Sophie. Yeah. So she starts to project her rage and obsession with Mark, who she has no access to, right? He's over in London. But guess who's in the house? Yeah, someone's got to pay. Miss, lovely, sweet. I mean, I don't want to use the word weak, but, you know, this girl is, you know, she's just turned up. So she starts at Sophie and she starts suggesting that Sophie's having a relationship with Mark. Sophie has never met Mark and never does meet Mark. She's a batshit crazy woman. So first of all, she starts accusing her that, of sleeping with Mark Walton and then she starts to get into this sort of mindset of saying, you're trying to help him get into the house to do harm to us. And this is where she starts to rope Sam in more. Like Sam just seems to go with the flow and when she starts to become increasingly nasty to Sophie, initially I think he would sort of leave the house and just let her be a be arch and get on with it. But then she starts to rope him into it and it becomes, you'll have to forgive me because I can't remember the exact episode, but I know that they were, I think they were Swedish, but she starts to do that. Is it folie adieu? Yeah. When her madness and her um, obsession, Crash she starts. Crash test dummies. Crash test Correct. dummies, yeah. They were the Swedish yeah. twins, yeah. Yeah. That's right. I knew that was Swedish. That's right. She start, It becomes a little bit of a campaign like that where little by little she turns him into a nut job as well that's totally convinced that Mark Walton is trying to do harm to them both of them physically like as in uh, Sabrina and Sam but also the children who have no name and may or may not exist so I think what they sort of go on later to sort of presume is that they they did suffer from that very rare psychological disorder known as folie de which means madness for two. You know, we say it's very rare, and yet I feel like we've seen it a bit. I know. I it's, it's, it's that rare at all. Well. <laughs> well, an example that they gave in one of the other articles was uh, the Moores murders, and I didn't know that that was a case. So Ian Brady and Myra Hindley, who I've heard their names and I've heard Oh, my goodness. Lot, you, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. 
But I didn't. Yes, yeah, so you know, I think I, that, that might have been a folly well. well, yeah, he was a big. I was one of these days. I'll cover that one. But he was a nasty bully, and she was a. She was led by him, but she was a pretty vicious person herself. Uh, I'm not. I'm not convinced about folly to do with him anyway. But yes, yeah. that is one that's famous. Oh, it's it's yeah. used as an excuse, but I, I'm not sure. So you know, we have this guy who, in Sam, who you know has kind of followed her to the UK. He's in and out of her life based on what suits her. But this is when things really start to take a, a, a more sinister turn. And you know, in her starting to go after Sophie and project all of that onto Sophie, he's witness to that. But then she manages to rope him and get him on board and think, well, actually, yes, we are at risk. What are these pair up to? They're colluding. And this poor girl is honestly sat there going, uh, what? no, I, who? Who's Mark Walton? You could imagine in her broken English, yeah. and you're like, Mark Walton, Mark Walton. I'm like, uh, who? Did you say Mark Watson? <laughs> 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 oh, that now I know him. I was like, oh, sorry about that. Excuse me. Yes. Excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon. 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 So he becomes completely on board and we then sort of start in this very dark spot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. It's about my five, <laughs> my five French expressions. Isn't that a Kylie Minogue song? Je ne comprends pas. Oh, no. Je ne sais pas pourquoi. The Southfield slash Wimbledon community um, starts to see a real shift in Sophie. So she's becoming more withdrawn both physically and I don't necessarily know if I mean mentally, but certainly... Her behaviour. Yeah, yeah. behaviour with the way she's interacting with her. Yeah. She's pulling away. They're seeing less of her. She's certainly not as happy as what she was. And I don't think that her, her English starts to decrease. All the things that were the things that she was there for, you know, she was always shy, but she was making it. Now this is all coming to bear that she's just becoming more and more introverted, not really speaking as much English as she was. And not speaking to people that she didn't know well at all, but closing down. Yeah. And there was one person that she did have something to do with, which was a local fish and chip shop owner, and he had had quite a nice relationship with her, but also the employer. So she, he knew Sam and Sabrina, and at one point they were talking about doing some business together. I'm sure it was like a pancake stand or something. Fish and uh, chips was a, and pancakes. I think crepe is the correct word. Crepe. Correct. Crepe. Yeah. And... Stop he your crappery with me, Clarky. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm full of crappery. That's enough of your crappery. Sorry, Swanny. I think I've got a cert three in crappery. <laughs> <laughs> I do love a crap. I might. Um, <laughs> do you love a what? I, like it. I love a crap. Crap. She's, crap. She's sitting there. She's, I thought she was getting annoyed with us, but no, she's having a little thought about that's it. the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, because I was just thinking, it just came up the other day because Grandma has been here and mm. she made pancakes for the boys. Mm. And one of them was remembering that we'd had crepe in Paris recently. And you get, remember the one you had, Mum? And I was, I couldn't. I actually, surprise, surprise, I remember nothing. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember the restaurant. And I said, remember it had such and such. And then we remembered what it was. It was I bought it by accident. And all it had on it was normally I would have lemon and sugar, but it was butter and sugar. Yum. Oh, my God. Yum. It was a revelation. It must have been this fattening thing on earth. Yum. But, oh, my God. God, it was so, so good. And we were just reminiscing. You know when sometimes a food memory from somewhere is sometimes the very best memory. Yeah. Oh, my God, it was good. It was good. <laughs> and it was just an accident oh, that I got it. Oh, yeah. It was good. Oh, butter, butter and, and sugar. sugar. Oh, it was good. It was good. Delicious. Yeah. So poor Sophie's on a downhill run, really. Yeah. And it becomes very apparent that she's being totally manipulated and 
they've they've pretty much they gain control over her, but they do certain things where they start to bombard her with this constant you're seeing Mark Walton. You are in collusion with him. You're taking money from him. You're sleeping with him. You're trying to get him into our house. He wants to hurt us. He wants to hurt the children. And they just bully her and totally intimidate her pretty much nonstop. And it becomes this sort of downhill trajectory of the outside world seeing Sophie become very unhappy. She stops sort of talking to her parents. At one point she sort of talks about coming home, but she can't afford to come home. Yeah, right. And what we sort of also realise is the fact that Guess what, Sam and... They're not paying her. They stop paying her. Yeah. They take away her ID card, which <gasps> is like your passport. Yeah. They what? just... Oh. Yeah. This is like so, modern slavery. Totally. They take away a phone. Oh, God. And so as things escalate, she has less and they less cut her opportunity. Off. They cut Loses her off. Loses all her freedoms. Yeah. Shit. Absolutely. They never actually found a passport, but I... And they said they think that they were destroyed. But all the things that she had any chance of sort of getting out, she wasn't able to. Yeah. On August 8, 2017, Catherine, who's her mother, recalled her daughter crying and sounding disorientated, which is important, during a phone call because we find out at that point Sophie was now being beaten. Right. She was no longer being paid and she was being interrogated regularly. They're Over not nothing. Yeah, nothing. Just total fabrication. Absolute bullshit. Craziness. So, yeah. so she's she's a girl who is in a foreign country. And I mean, to be honest, I'm probably speaking French to her, so I guess maybe that's something. But they are at her about something that is so blatantly not true that she can't say that any of it, or I might have done that, it's all wrong, right? Nothing they, has occurred. She'd never met this guy. Are they just assholes, or is it's there. It's very hard to argue. It's, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Clarky, but it's it's an interesting thing when you're faced with someone who has got has convinced themselves of a narrative and an idea of a situation, a perception, whatever, and you say, "Well, I didn't do that." It's very hard to you can't change their minds. They're absolutely convinced that that's what you did, yeah. and yeah. and you know, regardless of whether or not that is factual or that is your perception of it or anything like that. Honestly, you cannot change the mind of someone who has decided you are doing this or you have done this. And it's very frustrating when you are at the end, uh, other end of the accusation, knowing that you've not done that, but you're faced with it. So I can't imagine this girl's situation because there's just nothing in this that is real. But how does she prove or disprove it? You know, she, and she's being cut off from everything. Sorry, Clarky, what were you going to say? No, no, it's, it's a really good point. I guess what I'm wondering is, is there some kind of mental health issue with Sabrina that yes, makes her think that? Or, yes. or, or does yeah. she get joy out of being an absolute bully? It, it is a mental you know, health situation. Is it? She does become, she is diagnosed, yeah. I think that, that whole black bear, magic yeah. stuff, all of that, that starts to sound like paranoid delusions when she's talking yes. earlier about Mark Walton's, the helicopter's flying over and it's spying on her. Yeah. They're paranoid delusions, yeah. And I will go on to that later, but, yeah, she she does have a mental health issue and she's diagnosed as having borderline personality disorder. Right. Um, None of which should but, lead her to behave no, the way she is, though. No, at, at points in her life, she's just got a borderline personality. <laughs> she's like, she doesn't have a great personality. It's not but bad. That, personality. But that's she's what I wondered: does she kind of get off on you know this sort of bullying, really inappropriate treatment of someone? It, it just it doesn't sound like yeah. it doesn't sound like a normal reaction to no, no, um, it's not. It's not believing no. something that's and, not actually happening. And 
you know, there'll, there'll be a, a trial and we will, we will get to that. And when people come to speak about her, people who had known her other than Mark Walton and Sam, she'd always be this explosive character who could be, you know, as fabulous and as fun and as beautiful as she was wicked the whole time. Mm. Like she would always be going from one extreme to the next and that would often be triggered by nothing. But they didn't know when she would explode and how she'd end up being an absolute nut job and yeah, I guess that's what I'm kind of wondering. Is this just normal behaviour for her, not part of the mental health It sounds like issue. an escalation. An escalation. Yeah, it's sure. a, yeah, she but... might have had tendencies towards this, but something has, like you said earlier, Carla, some event, it might have been the breakup or even having the child, or I don't know. But The only thing and the only source I can find that is in the New York Post, and it's not mentioned anywhere else, but it says it appears to stem from Walton leaving her, mm. that we've covered, right? and stopping supporting her financially because, this is the only time I read this anywhere, because he could not be sure he was the father of her son. Yeah, right. That, for me, might be the only thing that I go, uh-huh. So she's got... That would explain why she escalates. How how very dare he. Yeah, as she escalates her her fury towards him, and then at some point it crosses over into... I've been telling myself these lies or, you know, creating this narrative to be angry with him, but now I actually am believing it. That's And I've got it here in my notes. It's the only reason I wrote why. That's the only why I can find is that because everything else is he's being nice, he's giving money, and I guess he got to a point, you know, where he must have questioned something, but it's not in any of the English stuff. Is that of something out of the US again? So who knows? But it felt like it would resonate with me as a potential sort of reason to escalate things. It makes the most sense out of everything, yeah. I think, you know, she's got one kid now possibly to Mark Walton and another kid that we don't know who the father is and all of a sudden now the kid to Mark Walton may not be Mark Mark Walton's kid Mm -hmm. and that's his fault. She's quality. There was a quote somewhere that I read that he was, she was convinced that he was spying on them I've said this before that um, she was convinced that he was having sex with Sophie and that he was even extracting Sam's semen to frame him for rape. (laughs) What? How do you extract someone's semen without knowing? I don't know. But she had said this is the kind of stuff that was being said in that house. I mean, it was absolute madness, right? You can just see it. Can you imagine? It was probably an absolute. I've got an idea. I don't know. Um, Mean hovel. I'm wondering about. Wet patches, like if he has, a, if he has. Scratch, a... I think. Oh, what is that? A turkey baster? That's a giant syringe. What does it look like? This is how. You oh, into the nutsack. <laughs> oh, it's a cooking syringe. I use Too it to far. put oh, marinade into meat. Yeah, but it's a giant oh, syringe. Me. We use it for a cooking. Yes. Tony looked a bit. Well, it should. Um, Looking with his side eye. A clockwork (laughs) orange. No, no, no. One flew over the cuckoo's nest type syringe. It's It's a cooking syringe. If you you ever need your meat marinated, Tony, you know where to go. (laughs) Never again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we were meant to be getting married on the 25th of Feb. (laughs) I'm, I'm a bit of a spoiler alert. Basically, they then kept her prisoner in the house for 12 days mm. and she wasn't allowed out, she wasn't eating. But when you say she wasn't was eating, filming. she wasn't eating by choice or they weren't feeding oh, her? I know. No, no, starving no, her. Yeah, right. Starving her, yeah. But they were good enough to film the interrogations. So there are, there's eight hours of footage 
of the ones that they didn't that they did film of them interrogating her, which of course they were then, you know, able to use. But they and, were, yeah, they weren't thinking about this. This was no, not particularly. Well, this, no. this goes back to your folly of do thing. Like no one, there's no rational thought going into any of this. There's no pl- no planning. It's just react, yeah. react, react. Yeah. Eventually, on the twelfth night, <laughs> on the night Sophie died, she had been tortured and then she was drowned in a bathtub. What? Oh by both of them. Yeah, because she wouldn't tell them what they wanted to hear. Because she didn't have what they wanted to hear, true. right? Because it wasn't true. Yeah. So the more they pushed, she just, I think she was so tired and was so sick of. She just shut down. Well, I don't yeah, think, I don't even know that she was. Fed. She knew the writing. I think she knew the writing was on the wall and they've said that. They said she would have known by this point where it was heading after being tortured for so long. And So how do we then know that Sophie has been murdered? Oh. Well, the Wimbledon Fire Brigade, uh. South Bills Brigade, Get a call. No. Uh, I think the following day to say that there's a rancid smelling barbecue uh. in the <gasps> backyard. They do not. Not only did they, what they, first of all, they had put her body, they shoved it into a suitcase after they had drowned her. They put her into a suitcase and then they had a little bit of time to try and work out what they were going to do with her body. So they were found by the fire brigade barbecuing. When the fire brigade arrived, Sam and Sabrina had a small barbecue, and I've seen photos of this. And this is where I know it wasn't a particularly big house, whatever. You would have, you would, it's you'd one look of those at the tiny back, little, you'd look tiny at it, you'd know, little yeah. flat, London flat, yeah. that's their backyard, yeah. 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 And there's, yep. and it, yep. nothing grows in it except no. algae because Weed. there's no, because yeah. there's no sun, no into light, it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were barbecuing Sophie. What they were actually doing, there was a distraction. So what they were doing is. The, her body was burning like oh, over yuck. here in the backyard and they were on another small Weber-style barbecue turning chicken. Right. Because they thought the smell of the chicken would mask the fat that they were burning. Oh, they fucked. They're I know, right? So the body is burning. People. The neighbours have called and said, look, there's this terrible smell. Something's oh. burning out of control in the backyard of this house. When the fire brigade arrive, these pair are cool as cucumbers turning chicken. Were you in the UK when the an- no foot and mouth thing happened? Was it foot and mouth? Not anthrax, but foot and mouth. I think, no, I think that was before me. Uh, it was, was it like time, was 99 it? or 2000, yeah. 2001, around that period, there had an outbreak of foot and was mouth. Me. Foot and mouth, I think, yeah. I remember driving with Andy up to the Lakes District and then up through to Scotland oh. and they were burning all the animals and the cows. The smell was Horrendous. Horrific. Like like chicken on a barbecue? No, nothing like chicken on a barbecue. And I imagine that you're talking about a similar smell. And I mean, you know they may as well the have gone. said it was rancid. <laughs> That's a good term for it, yeah. They may as well have gone yes. pig. At least then it would be long pig and pig. <laughs> oh, God. Long pig and chicken. No. Long pig. <laughs> oh, to, oh if God. you were going to do that, seriously, you'd have to have a whole... Firstly, I think he you was probably Muslim, so a- why would he have a full spit roast pig? You'd have to do a spit roast pig, right, if you were going to try and do that. You can't do that on a Weber. I love how you're going to tell us how you could get away with it. <laughs> well, if anyone would know. I know, right? I like this at all. That's what I said earlier. There was no planning. There was no Because no you do it in your tiny little backyard. <laughs> like, God. That's right. I yeah. think about it. Sillies, billies. Mm. Oh, oh Jesus. Yes. Yeah, God, I think there's other words for them. But the fire brigade would know that smell, wouldn't they? 
Oh, yeah. Not necessarily. Yeah. Not oh, necessarily. they'd have experienced burned corpses oh, before. Be... Not, not necessarily, but, you know, you, you could reasonably expect that some firemen would have, but I wouldn't mm. say that it's fair to say that all firemen would know that smell. All right. Right, so the neighbours are worried and they, they turn up and there's like a bonfire like going nuts in their like backyard and it's verging on burning out of control and there are old Sam and Sabrina turning the chicken very calm and, oh, just barbecuing over just here. Just burning off a bit they of leaves They seem relaxed left. and unconcerned as the raging flames were just a few feet away. Once firefighters had gotten the, fire, the blaze out of control, they made a grisly discovery. <gasps> when they asked Sam what he was burning, he shrugged and calmly said that he bought a carcass for a sheep down at the Wimbledon market. Why would you burn it? On the contrary, Thomas Hunt, who was one of the um, firefighters, one of the first ones, said that he believed he what he saw was a human nose and fingers burning in the fire. They began sifting through the ashes. They found blackened pieces of clothing, jewelry, and they also found her glasses. And the frames had melted. So So the sheep was either all dressed up. (laughs) There must have been. Yes, all right. There were things that a sheep wasn't shouldn't be wearing, but just. Was she fully burned? Because you've got to get to some incredible heat to burn the temperature. Yeah. No, okay. All right. Well, if the glasses were there, you'd kind of think it wasn't. Yeah, true, yeah. true, true. Hot. But normally when you cremate someone, you don't. They were so probably she wasn't burning all her in bits and pieces or something. She would have been charred, yeah. I'd say. A, a yeah. charred yeah. remains. Yeah. I think it's yeah. 750. It's Greece. something exceptionally high. Yeah, yes, really yes. high. So they're just burning her body in the backyard downtown. Wimbledon. Again, not thinking about it. What a pack of French Algerians. <laughs> Nicely played. <laughs> they're just gross. And I, I don't care for their mental health issues. <laughs> no, they are really vile. They are just, I feel this word is underplays it so badly, but... They're just so mean yeah. to her. Like yeah, they're just yeah. so vicious. They're, you know, they're vicious. They're whipping her with cords. They're, oh, they're doing everything right. they can to in make her life an absolute misery to get this information that doesn't exist. You know, and they're just taking all dignity away from her. That, just that's why I can't help but think so they get stressful. some level of joy out of it. You know. What are we going? Oh, yeah. What are we going to do today? Oh, there's nothing on TV. Let's go and flog the poor. I'm not quite sure the conversation started like that. I think there was probably some kind of a psychotic frenzy going on between the two of them did you steal the remote (laughs) 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 things could go a little bit tense Uh, it's just so nonsensical you know before we were talking about smells you reminded me of something yeah on the weekend you know how very dare you you two you two um i've i've showered and i've put (laughs) deodorant on you two are always raising me about, you know, how I know stuff, right? And my, my great oh, yes. Anyway, uh, on the weekend, Tone and I went up to the houseboat and when we entered the boat, there's, there was something not quite right about the toilet situation. And the boat had, because it had been closed up, had a bit of a sewagey smell. Can you not back up a really disgusting, hard-to-listen-to story with, with a story really about sewage smell. Yeah, like, God, anyway, what are you doing? Really strong smells. So anyway, we go in. And I'd I like said, to apologise to our listeners on behalf of what Schmidt is about to say, <laughs> just in case. It was a tip, right? Anyway, so I go in and I'm like, okay, look, let's just deal with this now. I feel like maybe one of the gaskets or something is loose or something. Anyway, so we take the toilet off, pull it away, which means we are... Basically, mm. face to face with the poo chute, Carla. This is a tank with who and we. A magic pipe. In a black tank with a, a magic pipe. What was that? Oh, <laughs> what was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Magic 
Was it the magic no, pipe? The magic. It was something like that. Paul, the cruise what story. What did they call it? The cruise one? Yeah, yeah. The magic, yeah. Pipe. The magic was. pipe? Yeah, yeah. Oh, this isn't to a black tank, but yes. Anyway, the smell, to quote Kenny, was going to outlast religion. And I'm like, oh, it was really bad. And then I remembered from multiple TV shows of hardened forensic people, how they deal with the smell of a corpse. And I went into the bathroom and I got it. Got some barrier cream. Close. Pot of Vicks. Rubbed it into my nostrils. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Didn't job smell done. a thing. Sorted. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Oh, just wow. reminded that if you ever have a particularly putrid smell that you have to work around but don't want to have to deal with, Vicks in the, up the nose, we'll sort it. Right. So, um... <laughs> Literally no reaction. Back at the barbecue. But she's been ordering her papers all yeah, this time. I've been I feel like, out. I, I feel like I gave her a good time to sort of organise herself. You did. You've got me on. I'm ready to. I'm ready to go to trial now. Okay. But we do need to. We do need to arrest them first. They haven't been arrested. Yet. Okay. But unsurprisingly, <laughs> um, after barbecue bonfire night, there were some pretty convincing suspicions of who might be responsible. So they recovered Sophie's body um, from the bonfire in the backyard. And then it was at that point they started to learn about the couple's employment of Sophie over the months and naturally suspicion fell on the pair and a thorough search of the house gave them an expansive sort of and eight hours recordings, of, yeah, eight hours yeah. of recordings of the torture sessions. Oh. <gasps> they just were not thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a very sad photograph that's, that's in awful. the This girl, she's just kneeling. And her parents said that she's unrecognisable compared to what she was because she was so emaciated. She just had not been looked after, fed, you know, or she probably couldn't eat. They had, she did, they'd fractured her ribs. They'd, in, she, they'd broken her breastbone. They'd belted her with um, electrical cables. All of this, you know, she was covered in, you know, I don't know, she was just burnt, but, you know, they had just beaten her to a pulp before drowning her. This She was just, she probably had no energy. I don't think she could have fought if she tried. Do you know what I mean? What a terrible terrible demise and imagine being parents having to listen to that it's hideous so the trial of Usam Mudini and Sabrina Kuyadere and at the time they were 40 and I did read 35 for the murder of Sophie Leonard began in March 2018 at London's Old Bailey the two admitted that they tried to dispose of the au pair's body however when it came to who was responsible surprise surprise they pointed the finger at each other, <laughs> yeah, both right. refusing to take the blame. During the trial, Richard Hall, QC, spoke about how the naive and shy Sophie was unable to defend herself against a manipulative and abusive person like Sabrina. Sophie was not only young, but also, we suggest, naive and particularly vulnerable, and this made her an easy target for abuse and exploitation. They were easily able to break her down with their vicious and relentless interrogations, which involved beatings and holding her head under the water in the bathtub. Eventually, they forced Sophie to confirm Sabrina's deranged accusations were true, that she was conspiring to help Mark Walton come to their home so he could drug them and sexually assault them. They threatened her with rape, violence and prison if she did not confess. And I... I did read an excerpt somewhere where it, it was how Sabrina would talk to her, which was that thing where she said, if you don't do this, you know I can't help you. You will go to prison, so you need to tell me what's happening. You need to tell me the truth. I'm on your side. If you if you help me, if you give me the information I need, otherwise what choice do I have? They'll take you to prison. They'll. So that's how it all started before it was like full on just building her all the time. You know where she does that kind of 
give me what I want because it's not really me, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to save you from the, from, from the worst outcome, which is you'll have to go to prison because you've been colluding with him. So you might as well tell me now because then I can at least try and help you. So she was doing a lot. Oh, my God. And this is all filmed, right? So that's why they actually have the transcripts of what has been said at different points. I think, could you even imagine it? A video taken on September the 18th, 2017 of Sophie confessing was shown to the jury. In it, she's emaciated and it was completely broken. Shortly after the video, she was dead. You'll have seen the state of Sophie when she uttered the words that can be heard on the video clip and whatever may be said about the final confessions, it is anything but voluntary, Horwell had said. He described the defendant's actions as a campaign of intimidation, torture and violence, which left the young woman crushed. These interrogations were recorded on their cell phones. More than eight hours of recordings were recovered and they played them at, you know, to the jury. So meanwhile, these pair are still fixated on, you did it, no, you did it, no, you did it. In one of the recordings from September 11, nine days before her murder, Sabrina was heard screaming at Sophie, you destroy everything. I was trying to find myself again. I pray to God not to make me touch you. I don't want to make my hands dirty. So what a I hate piece her. of work. Oh. Yeah, she's not likeable. <laughs> oh. I hate her. <laughs> no, I'm, like, not, no, I'm really hate her. She's not likeable, as Carla says. No. Before her body was thrown onto the bonfire, Sophie suffered significant violence at the hands of her employers, a fractured jawbone, sternum, and five broken ribs. In the end, the defendants burned the body by you know, creating a bonfire in their backyard whilst barbecuing the chicken next to it. The fire was put out and then the burnt debris was turned over with a spade to ensure the fire had been fully extinguished. As the ash was turned, the remains of Sophie started to appear. They planned to tell a story about how Sophie had left their employment out of the blue and returned to France and her ultimate cause of death was never actually determined. The three most likely causes were the blow to her head, strangulation or drowning. They don't ultimately know what actually killed her. So Mark Walton flies in from L.A., <laughs> to testify. Okay, finally. right, right, right. Yeah. Well, after I finished having sex with a cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, and I must say, a lot of this information is from the blog, which is yeah. the talk murder with me. And it is it is brilliant because she's pulled it together in such a way that she does, she, you know, she pulled, talks about the quotes and whatever else. And it's really digestible. And I, you know, full credit to the, the writer of this. It is, it is brilliant. So Mark Morton flies in from Los Angeles. During his testimony, he said that he and Coudier had been in a relationship for two years, Sabrina, and he was very much in love with her. She was, however, extremely volatile and unpredictable. He could never predict when she would suddenly snap and start screaming at him. She would go from softly spoken French accent, then she would flip, get very angry, very loud, and just not care where we were. She would just go crazy over something trivial, he said. He'd paid for several nannies, but she would always fire them, paranoid they were stealing from her and flirting with him. So that's obviously when they were still together. We have heard that your name was referred to by Sabrina Coudier before and after her arrest. Have you ever heard of Sophie Leonette? Horwell asked Walton. Never, ever, Walton replied. Had you ever talked to her? Never. Had you ever communicated with her in any way? No way, never. The first time he had ever heard of the au pair was on September 21 when police in London contacted him the day after the murder, Walton told the court. Uh, so it wasn't even that she was talking to him. There's literally no saying, truth you to it. Were, no, it's, not, it's not going both ways. It was totally focused on poor Sophie. He wasn't, like, even aware. Do you know what I mean? He wasn't, 
hearing about that. The defence was weak but was not the attorney's fault. No surprises. The pair were done was interesting. It's pretty hard, yeah. And it was also a bit of a mess. It was Sam's initial statement was that Sophie died by accident while he interrogated her in the bath. However, he retracted this saying he only said this to protect Sabrina. In his new statement, he said he was actually woken up by Sabrina telling him that Sophie was not breathing. He got up and found her in the bath. Sabrina told him she was not breathing. So they all that it starts to just become an absolute mess of he said, she said, I was there, I wasn't there, she was breathing, she was already dead. It was just an absolute mess. What I find, this is, I find this really, this, if you didn't like it before, this really pissed me off. She read or had, a, I don't know if she read it out, she wrote an apology letter to Sophie and her family, which was read out, probably not by her, during the sentencing hearing. No, she shouldn't yeah. have even been allowed to. Sorry, go. Dear Sophie, may peace be with you. First of all, I wish everyone, including Sophie, especially her parents and family who are suffering badly, to know how deeply sorry I am for what happened to Sophie. Oh, fuck off. We shared <laughs> sorry, I did many it again. good times together. Oh, go away. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be gone with you. Yeah. you. <laughs> You outrageous fellow. Oh, Sabrina, you do disappoint me. Um, <laughs> let me just start that again. First of all, I wish everyone, including Sophie, especially her parents and family who are suffering badly, to know how deeply sorry I am for what happened to Sophie. For what we happened? We shared many good times together. Yes. Uh, Listen to the way everything yeah, is couched. Yeah. We, we uh, that's yeah, what I'm saying. If you didn't fault. like all this, will, then, we didn't this do will it. infuriate this you. Make it just, I'm surprised it was allowed to be read out. This is flipping upsetting. We, flipping up saying, we shared many good times together as well as pains until things went terribly wrong and it ended up in this horrendous tragedy. Full stop. Like, no one could have seen it coming. It wasn't our fault. We didn't do it. Uh, This horrendous tragedy. It's not fucking tragic. It's not a flipping tragedy, is it, Clarkie? This horrendous, you know, interrogation, (laughs) torture and murder. I think of you every day and I am shocked and sad that you are not part of this world anymore. It feels like a horrible dream to me that I wish I could just wake no, up No, just... Every day I live with sadness and sorrow. I am suffering every day thinking <gasps> of you and what happened to you that dreadful night. I only wish <sighs> I could turn the clock back so that it never happened and you would still be alive with us today. I will now live without hope and I cannot ever imagine ever being happy again. I struggle every day and I am very disappointed in myself. Very disappointed, Sabrina. (laughs) I wish things could have been different and I hope that you rest in peace with God. With deepest regret, Sabrina Kuidev. Could you imagine being her parents and listening to that? I have days where I feel disappointed in myself. But, but certainly not because I've murdered someone and then said, I'm very disappointed in myself. You know, I feel very disappointed. I'm like, excuse me, when you have killed someone, when you have tortured someone for 12 days, you should feel more than disappointment. You should feel disgust. You should feel like you are a repugnant human being who has no right to any joy. You if she was genuinely sorry, she happy. should be pleading guilty. If she was genuinely sorry, she wouldn't have written sorry, I'm not comfortable with that letter being read out. No, I agree. Talk. I, I think, think it's a disgrace. Because that's defense, not evidence. The defence were not defending, were no. they? No. What did they have to work with? But it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where I think, oh, wow, talk about kick someone when they're that's down. It, I think it's bad. It doesn't say I'm responsible it says 
Well, no. that got a little bit out the of hand. Tragedy of <laughs> tragedy oh, of that terrible thing that happened on that yeah. day, of which I'm not really responsible for. And if only for you're it. here with us, I mean, oh, there's just things that come out yeah, really us, that us upset. Yeah, it's like you should be me. nowhere near them. I don't think I will animals. ever be happy ever again. Yeah. So who like, cares? No one cares how you oh, feel. Oh. Here, dear. You negated the right to be happy when you put a vacuum cleaner pipe up your bottom. What? <laughs> That's going back to that nursing friend of yours, isn't it? Three, three times. The tall guy watched the film funny. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Right. <laughs> so in terms of sentencing, in an attempt to get leniency for his client, Sabrina's lawyer told the judge that her actions were a result of delusions and personality disorders which left her with irrational and completely overwhelming fear that Sophie was conspiring against her. Oh, that's all right then. Sorry, our mistake. We were judging you. Mm -hmm. He said her behaviour towards the victim was entirely driven by Sabrina's mental illness in her desperation to obtain evidence of Mr Walton's abuse. While Judge Nicholas Hilliard... Sorry, Mr Walton's non-existent abuse. That's right, right. it didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While Judge Nicholas Hilliard... Acknowledged that the couple were severely delusional, suffering from yes. a folie de, as I was talking about before, particularly Sabrina, who was the driving force. This was not defence for their heinous, 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 this was no defence for their heinous treatment and eventual murder of their shy and vulnerable au pair. Looking directly at Sam and um, Sabrina, Hilliard said, you were both involved in torturing Sophie in the bath in the lead up to her death in making her think she would drown unless you gave her information you wanted, which was not in her power to give you because it did not exist. The suffering and the torture you put her through before her death was prolonged and without pity. Addressing Sabrina, he said that her motivations were to see Sophie and Mark Walton suffer for no justifiable reason. He finished by saying, I do not think you thought for one moment you were acting lawfully. I'm sure you knew the way you interrogated her was unacceptable in the extreme, that it was unlawful to assault her and that she was in a dreadful state by the time of her death and torturing her in the bath was totally and utterly wrong. Good for him. So they were both sentenced to life in prison for murder and to serve a minimum of 30 years. And Catherine, who is Sophie's mother, was quoted as saying, no one, no God will ever forgive you both for what you have done to my daughter. You are equally as evil as one another. They said that she was so nurturing. She loved animals and children. She couldn't see suffering in others. They described her as kind and gentle. She was a pearl. She loved everyone. She loved making people happy. And what a horrendous thing. I actually watched a, a video where after the sentencing, there was a statement that was made and it sort of really made me think and it was talking about her parents. Imagine having your child at a distance, knowing things are starting to descend into something, but, I mean, you could never have imagined this, right, and then having to sit through a court and hear the level of evil that has been perpetrated against her and then listening to that goddamn apology letter and the pair of them then blame each other and then, you know, you're hearing about her, oh, it's just because she's got mental illness and then, you know, then Mark Walton turning up and going, never heard, never, no, no. No, this is mm. totally foreign to me. Never heard anything None about of it. That. As this woman said, who was talking on their, or not on their behalf, but after the trial, she said they're the ones who get the life sentence. The mum and dad are the ones who get the They're the ones who get the life. They're the ones who suffer every single day. Don't worry about you know good old Sabrina. Going, I don't know that I'll ever be happy ever again. 
these people having to live with that that demise of your child oh my god horrendous it just speaks to what an incredible narcissist she is that she talks about i'll never be happy again it's like it's not about you you murdered this person oh it's infuriating isn't it so that is the story of poor sophie leone because i mean i just think she had she had so much ahead of her yeah shall i sentence Yes, please. Okay, I'm going to return to a sentence that I did badly once upon a time. Once before I tried to (laughs) sentence someone to the pain and I'm going to do it again. Okay, well done. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for sharing. Well done, you. To the pain is a quote from... Any (laughs) details? To the pain is a quote from The Princess Bride. And this is for Sabrina because she's so beautiful, right? We've got to remember she's a very beautiful person on the outside. To the pain means the first thing you will lose will be your feet below the ankles, then your hands at the wrist, next your nose. So we're cutting these things off, right? The next thing you will lose will be your left eye followed by your right. Your ears you'll keep and I'll tell you why. So that every shriek of every child seeing your hideousness will be yours to cherish. Every babe that weeps at your approach, every woman who cries out, dear God, what is that thing, will echo in your perfect ears. That is what to the pain means. It means I leave you in anguish, wallowing in freakish misery forever. Is that from the Princess Brides? Yeah. I thought that was some kind of happy little, you cartoon know. thing. Yeah, like <laughs> what cartoon. The, what the oh, my fu- God, what is wrong with the two of you? Right, that's it, Carla. <laughs> between, I'm no, either. Hen's Night, between Hen's Night and Wedding, Princess Bride, we've got to watch it. There's, right. There is not enough time. If, if there was five months in between those two events, there would not be enough time to watch that trash. Perhaps so I'll bring the... Uh, Cult classic, I think we call it. Not trash. I know what shirt. I'm just looking at it now. Have you watched it? She hasn't, but you know, just because you. Oh, but I do. I'm aware of it, but I've never watched it. Anyway, that is for Sabrina. And I've got my. What, that I hadn't watched it? Can I sentence Sam? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Stop interrupting, Swanee. I'm going to send Sam on a riverside walk and date with Wiggers. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you have with, to do with that? With the promise of sex? <laughs> we'll just leave it to your imagination. Schmitty. <laughs> oh, I'm just starting to get over Because that. it's just brought your bottle back with Wiggers. <laughs> yeah, but it'll be in Queensland because she can't get out of Queensland. <laughs> That's right, yeah. It's fine. That's what I'm hoping. I want her her in Queensland. They're my sentences. I think that's a fair sentence. Yeah, I'm happy with with both of those. Well done. Although still the the Princess Bride one I still don't get, but, you know. It's all about the fact that she's beautiful and I'm going to mar her beauty and make everyone be disgusted by the sight of her so they can see how ugly she is. I get that. I just don't get why that was in the Princess Bride, which sounds like someone's marrying a princess. Well, I won't, so... Let's move on. Hey, I really want to call out the fact that I don't believe any of what she said. I, I, I think that whole link back to Sylvia Likens when she was treated appallingly, you know, I think this is just an act of absolute evil. The, the, I think that they got some level of joy out of it. I, I just don't believe that people would do that stuff and then feel sorry 
for it. I, I, I can't get my head around that and I can't connect her pathetic apology with the fact that maybe there's a mental health issue that has caused all happy, of this. Yeah, like, I feel know. sorry for myself. Yeah. No, no, but it's, yes. it's, it's not so much that as more. I just think... I just think she enjoyed it, you know, and I and I get that maybe she was a little bit delusional, whatever. Delusional people don't do what she did. She did that because she wanted to. She had all the power. She had every opportunity not to do any of it and she did the whole freaking lot of it, as did he. And I don't think he had freaking folie d'oeuvre. I think that's just a, a term to make us somehow think that one of them wasn't as responsible as the other. He was struck. Oh! <laughs> I will edit that out. As I live and breathe. <laughs> I think he... Is that like top... Top shelf magic yeah, pussy. Yeah, yeah, like, what? Yeah, you know we've got a magic pussy. Or is it thing, bottom but... shelf? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Have you, if you've seen images of these people, he was not an attractive man and he was batting way above his weight. Why? Because she needed him at the time? Yeah, she used him entirely, right? But he also was happy to be in this situation because he had this beautiful woman that he like seriously, yeah. I don't think I don't think he would ever have done that for not meeting her. I think she would I have agree. done that regardless. Hundred percent agree. Magic pussy. No, magic pussy is where you're an ugly woman and you're still able to pull yeah. and have oh, sex with lots of men. Isn't yeah. it where you can? Think- what if it's where you've got a pussy that makes men do things that they wouldn't normally do? We need a new term for that. That's more like <laughs> black need- magic a- pussy. There's a there's a line of distinction that needs to be made. I do think. What's that saying? It's like you're you're a, a prawn where you've got a Bad head and a good body, or something like that. Butterface. Butterface. Oh yeah. What about face? Her face is terrible. Yeah, yeah, she's she's good looking, but her face. Butterface. Butterface. That's funny. So that's. I know we should not be continuing these horrible misogynistic <laughs> anti-female tropes that we're pulling out all the time. What? But her face, anyway. <laughs> So anyway, I'm going to I'm going to sentence them to a so there's a street level apartment Crossing. townhouse <laughs> kind of thing, and if you open the door and walk in through the kitchen, you end up going downstairs, and you go down um, maybe a, a flight or two of stairs, and you end up in this carved out rock kind of dirt room basement. Well, no, because it's not part of the house it's actually an extension of which is just a, a dugout kind of thing so it's all dirt walls and whatever and there are two pits in there and so at this point I want you to think about Silence of the Lambs and the was it yep. the senator's daughter who was in one of the pits mm-hmm. so they are both going to be in pits separate pits where they can still hear each other scream and they can razz each other and in the pits if they, if they look up, there's going to be Silence of the Lambs playing on repeat so that they can see where this is all going. And every now and then, um, Jane Gum is going to come and get them, it rubs put, the lotion on get them skin. to put the lotion on its skin. It does whatever and, it's told. Yeah, <laughs> or else it gets the hose again. Um, all of that. That's right. It rubs the lotion on its It puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> that was a very Dark. drag queen sound. He is well. He is Jane right. Go, he's, he's trying to trans. That's oh, why. Okay. All right. That's why he's making a skin suit. 
So they both. I'd fuck me. Yeah, that's exactly oh. right. Yes. Yes. Oh, God. So right. So it's going to just be an absolute torturous existence for them. There's going to be no Clarice Starling coming to save them. Um, and they're just going to have every single day. And they might get the hose every now and then. I'm okay with that too, regardless of whether they put the lotion on because, you know, we're all a bit delusional. We don't necessarily believe that just because they rubbed lotion on their skin, they, but they actually, actually rubbed lotion on their skin. We need proof of it. And if you can't give us proof, you get the hose. Right, Swanning. Psychological nut punch, anyone? Maybe. Maybe. I'm trying to come up with something and I know I often say just get I, I, I start off with the uh, the idea that I've got the sort of the germ of the idea maybe you guys can give me a bit more colour <laughs> but what I found one of the things that stopped me in my tracks with this story was that that apology letter I just I, I can't be doing that I just cannot believe that it was allowed to be read out to what effect it almost sounds like a victim statement doesn't it Exactly. Like it's... But I was thinking I would like a letter to be written to Sabrina and a letter needs to be shared with, well, what is effectively the entire world, everybody that knows her or she might want to have known her. So I was going to say it would be published in the newspaper, but even then I think, you know, I want it to have, I want it to be so mortifyingly public that everybody that she's ever had anything to do with or could have anything to do with will be fully aware of the real person that mm. she is. And so I want it to like it's the, her letter started off, dear Sophie, may peace be with you. And I don't know if this letter can come from. I don't think it actually even needs to be from Sophie. But you know something along the lines of, dear Sabrina, instead of it being may peace be with you, it's like I hope you're in hell. And then <laughs> you, know, she, you know she wants to say, yeah. You know, and you if know, you're not, I, it's because, coming. And then what I want it to do is expose her the person that she has always been mm. and the fact that she is not a person of good character she's never done anything particularly of note you've pretended to be all these things and I don't think you even need to say that because I don't want it to be you're you know the ex-girlfriend of ex-boy zone person I don't want it to be yeah, yeah. you know was said to work as a stylist makeup artist fashion designer songwriter you're none of those things actually yeah. you're just a piece of shit yeah who's a pretender who the whole time takes the next chance to get what you need at any given point. You wouldn't waste toilet you paper are not, on it, would you? It, she, I don't know what I want it to say particularly, but that is the And who's going to say idea, it? Which is like everybody, everybody that she would ever think could or possibly care about her. So future, past and present, everybody. So that everybody knows that she's just a master manipulator who used people for what she needed at any given point, but you weren't really that successful in it. You were still on benefits. You were still, you know, you weren't living this high life that you thought you were and you were just a bad person who did bad things. And at the end you did the very worst things that you could do to anybody and no one thinks anything of you. You're just... Trash. You're just nothing. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like anyone who meets Sabrina should have a, an induction. And I think to what you're saying, perhaps what it should yeah. be is them watching maybe some of the footage of what they nice. did. What she's but capable I don't, But I don't want them to see Sophie in it because it, it shouldn't no. be about no. Sophie. No, agreed. But also yeah. whilst the footage is playing, I want them to hear her reading out. So in the top corner, there can be her reading out her apology letter. 
Oh, and that's what double screen. I that's like what it. everyone. So they they see what she's doing and they hear what she says about it afterwards. Yes, and then yep. they can choose to go on and meet her or go. You know what? Thanks, but I'm out of here because she's messed up. I have an idea. You know, we started this story in France, and one of the things that I Ooh. find interesting about France is the amount of dog excrement on the pavements of Parisian streets. So I'm going to turn Sabrina into a cognizant, back to your point, Carlo, that she's just a piece of shit. So let's turn her into a cognizant piece of shit and put her on a Parisian street and let her get stepped on regularly for people to curse and say merde, you know, whenever yeah. <laughs> whenever yeah. they stand on the oh. merde de chien. Merde de chien. Shit of the dog. Merde <laughs> whenever the shit of the dog comes along <laughs> and you step on that. But shit she the dog. is aware that she just got squelched and that someone just called her dog shit and it's going to repeat and repeat and repeat. And she can't get any much, in my opinion, she can't get much lower than that. Lower than that. No, I agree. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Right. The mer de chien. There we go. I, I, I feel like I'm doing Italian and think, French I, together. I'm not sure no, if my language that, uh, is correct. I, I've never heard that statement, <laughs> but I think shit of the dog is very appropriate. <laughs> Allow me just to double check it. Dog shit in It could almost be shit murdering in shit. French. Uh, mer de chien, we are right. Oh, it is. Oh, mer de chien, there you go. So there you go. Well. I think we have covered the ca- the very, very sad case of Sophie. Sophie, yeah. Poor kid. And let the medicien that is Sabrina and Sam rot in jail, frankly, where they belong. Yep. So on that happy note, as we say every week, miss you already. Ta-ta. Au revoir. Ciao, Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine. Or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.